This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. And we're at episode 2251. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? Help you, I can. Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Jennifer, what is coming up on today? Up, oh, we've lost Jennifer. <laughs> so, so she can't tell us what's coming up on today's show. <laughs> no, she cannot tell us what's coming up on today's show. How about we talk about what's coming up on today's show? Oh, I was just going to leave it a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, Jenny Beveridge coming back on us from with Troxel, and we're going to be talking about International Helmet Awareness Day, which is coming up on September 14th and 15th. And of course, that is a friend of ours by the name of Lindsay White started that years ago. We actually on this show helped her get started years ago. Uh, She came on as a guest when the concept was first a concept, and it's been going every year since then. So we're excited to hear about this year's and talk more about that. And then we're going to have Lisa Dearson on. What's she talking about? Lisa Dearson, she's the founder and director of the Equus Film Festival. So she's going to be talking about what they're up to and how they're actually coming to our international conference this year, Glenn, with three documentaries. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Cool. Yes. That's cool. So she'll Movie talk about time. Them. Are you going to have popcorn? Oh, yeah. Okay, absolutely. Good, good, good. The whole thing. And then we have uh, <laughs> we have Ellen Taylor coming on from the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. We've had them on the driving show a number of times, and they really do cool work. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, as a driver, I, I I love this organization. It's going to be great. They're actually bringing their trotting breads to our conference in New York, and people are going to get to get behind the sulky and actually drive a harness horse. Cool. That is so cool. And, and of course, uh, you know, you, you're you in New York where they're kind of based out of, I think. Um, yes. They're based they're out of a track up there. there. So, uh, And then Julie Goodnight's coming back on. Everybody knows Julie? Yes, Julie is our international spokesperson, and she has some exciting news. Her career's taken a little different direction, so she's going to share that with us. I didn't even know that this till this morning when you told me, so that's very exciting. It'd be good to have Julie back. And Jennifer's back. Welcome back, Jennifer. I'm back. <laughs> Jennifer's first two minutes on the show from back from vacation live, and she gets cut off. So, <laughs> we got to do it for you. <laughs> Some, somebody's trying to tell me something. <laughs> so what is it I hear about you having horse problems there, Christy, before we get to our first guest? 
Oh, yeah. So this is really good that the son doesn't listen to the show, but I have to do this. So the son, you know, he's 15 and um, he we fed in the dark the night before and he actually came out and helped me feed. So in his his defense, you know, it was nice of him to help me feed and he didn't lock the front gate, apparently, which I did not know. I did not double check him. And so the next morning I go out and I'm feeding the chickens and I'm just doing my little routine. And I'm thinking, why are the horses not coming out from under the shelter? They normally hear me bonking around with the chickens and they come out. Oh, no, the front gate was wide open. And that initial fear that you have in the pit of your stomach, (laughs) when you look around your acreage and you go, okay, they're gone. So in the house, we came, got the husband up, got the eldest son up, and we got in two different cars and we started driving around. you live like in a neighborhood, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. like with a 45-mile-an-hour road in the front of my house. Ah. Oh, yeah, which has traffic constantly now because the high school and everything is east of us. Oh, yeah, constant traffic. So, um, needless to say, we found them, thank goodness, about four doors down to the west that um, somebody had heard them, they said, in the middle of the night at about 2 a.m. outside their bedroom window. And (laughs) they used to own horses, so they knew enough that they go, we could catch the black one. I go, yeah, the other two are a little harder. And they were able to, and then the other two followed, and they were able to put them in a back pasture that they had. And we saw them from the street, thank goodness. So we brought them home. They were fine. Well, that's good. (laughs) Yes. You got lucky well, that they were they were smart enough to do that and knew enough to do that. Yes, yeah. thank goodness, because how scary otherwise. And we've had many stray animals here at our house, Glenn. We've had little ponies that have shown up. We've had a cow. We've had a stallion. We've had all kinds of horses show up at our place. So I guess it was time to pay it forward. Somebody was nice to us. <laughs> we had a farm, and we lived back a three-quarter mile lane. It was long. It, we, it was 120 acres. It was big property. So we lived back this long lane. Well, the horses got out one day and decided to head down the lane to the neighbor's house that had just been built and new turf put down. Oh, And no. decided to rip up the whole yard. They were oh. not happy about that. They were no. Not, <laughs> not a good time to get out. No, they were not happy. Uh-huh. We had cows get out one time. Our two, we always had two cows. We had uh, the cows get out one time, and the neighbors, uh, f- to, for their protection, took them, put them in a trailer, and brought them to a different farm and never told us. Oh so, my! Yeah, they were going to steal our cows. Yeah. Uh, and only reason we found them is that. Jennifer drove by at the the farm they brought them to about two miles down the road and saw our cows out there. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> it said, "Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it doesn't always, you know, it's it's tricky sometimes when they get out. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's all right. It was it was all good. It all ended up fine. <laughs> Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. So um, you also have a conference coming up. Yes. So the conference is going to be, and again, this is for anyone listening. If you put in um, HRN, Horse Radio Network, and just say that you're a part of us, we will give you the CHA member rate instead of the non-member rate to attend. And it's open to anybody. So come drive trotting breads with us. Come and listen to um, Julie and many of our other wonderful speakers. If you go to CHA.horse, you can see the schedule. And it's going to be October the 24th through the 26th in Houghton, New York at Houghton College, which is right outside of Buffalo. And do not be afraid. They have a newly created indoor climate-controlled heated arena. So we will be warm. <laughs> there you go. Well, that time of year? Yeah, that's important. Yes. That's important. I have to ask you about something real quick. I saw, since we talked last, that you guys went on a little vacation, and you did something almost daredevilish. 
Yeah, a little bit. It was fun, though. Tell it was fun. It. Yes. So um, it's basically going off of the back of the boat and going streaming into the air. So it's called parasailing, and you don't even have to get wet. They put a life vest on you, I guess, just in case you become disengaged from yeah, the boat, yeah. which thank or, goodness or the, didn't happen. Or the parachute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm glad none of that happened. But uh, yeah, so my son and I went and my younger son, um, he was in front of me and I was behind him. So we got to go up together and they just attach you and they kind of take you out on this big tether and you're up there so high, they can't hear you and you can't hear them. All you hear is the they wind. And like, we saw like 400 feet in the air, don't they? You're up there high. Yeah, the boat becomes a speck. Like, and, and which, right where, where were you at? We were in Aruba. Oh, well, that must have been a beautiful view. Yeah, so the island, and, you know, we could kind of see most of the island from up there because it's not a very big island. Um, so that was really fun. And then gigantic So was it scary? Turtle. I mean, what was it? Tell, tell us about it. You know, it was not scary. It's kind of like every now and then the wind would get you, so it feels like turbulence on an airplane, mm. right? You would get that kind of uh, 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 feeling, you know, that your stomach kind of sinks a little bit. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it wasn't bad at all. And the gigantic sea turtles, Glenn and Jen, oh my gosh, with their huge shells swimming around out there. It was a lot of them. I was pretty amazed at how many. And then they wheeled us back in and you just land again on the back of the boat and the guy's there to catch you and he takes you out of your harness and you drive back to shore on the boat. I talked to somebody who that did that right. off the coast of the Gulf down here uh, near Fort Myers, and it, he does it for a living. He does the boat, you know, takes people up. And he said, sometimes when you go up there, you see the sharks and all, all you, you see all the animals, and, and it makes you really not want to get in the water. <laughs> There's, they're yeah. all out there with you. <laughs> they are. Everybody's there. Yes. No, it, was, it was a really good time. Yes. Well, good. Very cool. All right. We have our first guest. Well, I'm very excited to introduce uh, Jenny Beveridge from Troxel with us today. She grew up in the saddle and she found her why in life after seeing the spot where a family acquaintance died from a head injury while riding her horse to a trailhead. So then she's been with Troxel Helmets for over 15 years since, developing helmets that riders want to wear and is currently their brand manager. Troxel Helmets has over 4 million equestrian helmets in the market and is the only physician-developed equestrian helmet line and the first to create a lightweight and well-ventilated certified equestrian helmet. We have Troxel as a partner this year, so we're so excited to feature them during quite a few of our shows. So, hi, Jenny. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me back. So we mentioned a little bit earlier about this great event coming up September 14th and 15th yeah. called Riders for Helmets, the big International Helmet Awareness Day. Could you tell us a little bit more about that event and how Troxel is going to be involved? Yeah, sure. So like you said, Riders for Helmets International Helmet Awareness Day is coming up next month. It's September 14th and 15th. It changes every year. So they just announced those dates. So we're excited. Um, it's its 10th year. So it's pretty amazing. Um, we were, you know, supported this from the start. It all came out of an injury um, of the Olympic dressage rider, Courtney King Dye, had unfortunately a pretty bad uh, head injury. She wasn't wearing a helmet, just schooling a young horse uh, in the arena. And um, a bunch of her friends and a bunch of the equestrian community came together and they formed this Riders for Helmet um, Helmet Awareness Day campaign. And it's grown into an international event now. I believe there's uh, 17 countries that participated last year. Wow. Uh, several South Taylors get involved. Yeah, it's just awesome to see um, our community really rally and 
um, you know, take a tragedy, which, you know, she's still riding uh, Courtney King guy, but um, just take this, you know, tragedy and really turn it into a positive and turn it into um, an event to really, really bring helmet awareness to the forefront. So uh, Troxel, like I said, we've always um, supported this event and, um, you know, the main driver behind this event is to bring helmet awareness to the forefront and then also correct helmet fitting. You know, a lot of times, you know, we see riders out there and they're wearing helmets, but unfortunately their retention straps are hanging down low underneath their chins. And so their helmets aren't able to perform the way that they need to. So that's another big part of this event is just teaching proper helmet fit and um, having, you know, people that are working at retail stores that know how to fit helmets able to help people in getting right fit. So it's it's also, you know, a huge sale day. It's the biggest one of the year for helmets. Um most of the manufacturers all band together and we put together these great offers for our retailers to be able to pass on to consumers. And so um, it's just really a great event overall. And we're just really happy to be part of it. Well, Jenny, we've been uh, supporting this also since day one. Uh, Lindsay is a friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And when she first started this, she came on the show. I remember it was when this show started 10 years ago. Yeah. So, so we've been supporting it ever since. And, I think it was last year or the year before, we went to the local tax shop here in Ocala on Helmet, International Helmet Awareness Day, and there were a lot of people in there getting fitted for helmets. And I think the one mistake, and we say it every year, and yet every year I have people say, oh, I didn't know that, is that you should replace your helmet after five years because the foam that the helmets are made of biodegrade and heat and sweat and all that stuff. Foam just biodegrades. That's the way Mm -hmm. it is. Um, And you really should replace your helmet every five years. And then last year when I looked at mine after preaching this year after year after year, mine was six years old. So, uh, (laughs) so, so I had to go out and get a new helmet, but we, we forget how long we've owned it. Right. I mean, you just wear it every day. You don't think about Mm -hmm. it. Time goes fast. It does. It does. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing. And, you know, and we always at Troxel, you know, we always say it's, it's um, you know, that five-year mark starts from the time of purchase. So, you know, if you look inside, you know, just helmets in general, anything that's SDI certified. So helmets are made to the um, the ASDM safety standard, and then they're certified by SCI, which is an independent organization that certifies the helmets. So part of that requirement that SCI has um for the companies making ASTM certified helmets is they have to have a sticker on the inside and that sticker says the manufacturer date. It might say um, like the style number or style name. Um, it's just some information as, as you manufacture. So we know when and where that helmet was made. And um, so some, you know, organizations have gone off that sticker date on the inside of the helmet, but you know, m- most companies it's actually when the helmet is put into use. So, you know, it's always really good to keep your receipt um, to remind yourself of when you purchase that helmet because it's actually that five-year mark kind of starts from time of, of use and when it's put into the field. And so we just go off the purchase date. Um, and, you know, I have to say, like, the five-year rule of thumb is awesome. But you also want to keep in mind that, you know, if you're riding, you know, extensively, you know, multiple horses a day or for several hours a day, multiple days a week, that, you know, products can deteriorate quicker um, than just kind of a weekend rider. So, you know, um, somebody that's, you know, actively riding several horses a day, you know, they might need to replace their helmet every couple of years, you know, um, you know, with the sweat, like I said, the environmental impacts, you know, all that stuff definitely over time can deteriorate products. Um, you know, and then also just want to bring up, and not everyone knows this either, either is that uh, equestrian helmets are just single impact helmets. So basically, if you've had a fall in that helmet, even if that helmet to your eye looks okay, you need to cut the straps, you need to 
uh, throw that helmet away and replace it. You don't want to use that helmet again. Um, the EPS foam on the inside of your helmet um, absorbs the energy. And so if you ever had a fall and you hit that same spot of that helmet, it's not going to be able to protect you like it, it originally was before it had been um, compromised. So it's always very important, you know, even if it was just a small fall, but if you hit your head, definitely replace that helmet. So my students come, Jenny, and they are swinging their helmet around and every now and then they drop it right in the mm -hmm. middle of the barn aisle or mm -hmm. wherever. How many times can that happen before they need to replace it? That, you know what? That's a tough one. You know, um, it's kind of one of those things, um, you know, those will add up over time if they keep dropping, keep dropping. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I have three young little kids and believe me, they toss them into the horse trailer. They don't put them back in their helmet bags, you know? And so I probably replace mine more often than most just because I know over time, you know, I don't think there's like a hard and fast rule, but I would say, you know, if you, you know, get your visor, you know, broken by, you know, tossing it down all the time, um, it's probably a good time to change out that helmet and replace it. Um, like I said, if you have, you know, several of those kind of drops over time, you should probably look at replacing your helmet because if it's still getting dropped, you know, really the weight of your head and the weight of your body, when you actually have a fall with a helmet on, you know, that's really where you get that big force, you know, um, where that EPS foam is going to um, absorb some of that energy. So when it's an, uh, an empty helmet, say like falling off a saddle horn or, or falling off of a hook in a tack room, you know, it, it's not going to have that same kind of force. But still, over time, you know, those can accumulate. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things if you have a bunch of scuffs and dings, you know, and you haven't had a fall, you probably should replace that helmet anyway. I, so so does it matter where you live? Like we live in Florida. People live in Arizona where it's a thousand mm -hmm. degrees all the time. Um, will, will the foam degrade faster in environments like that? You know, I don't believe so. You know, um, definitely you want to keep helmets out of direct heat and away from direct heat sources. You know, for storage, you don't want to leave them in your car uh, or your trunk of your car, or even uh, your back compartment of your car. How many you know, horse people that board so do that? Uh, every one of them. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And I, you know, I have to say, where do all mine live? They're all on my horse trailer right now. But, you know, ideally you want to be in, you know, a climate control environment you know, um, a climate controlled tax room or, you know, but the big thing is just direct heat sources and direct sunlight. Um, you know, they really can damage, you know, the outer shells and the liner because, you know, they are, you know, made out of a foam and then the outer shells are made out of a, a plastic. So, you know, of course it, it takes a tremendous amount of heat, you know, um, to really it, um, affect them, but, you know, it can happen. So I would just say, you know, if you can keep in climate controlled, that's always the best thing you can do. Um, and then obviously always keep out a direct sunlight and direct heat. You, know, you don't want to leave it, you know, sitting on your patio table and, you know, 100 degree weather right out in the sun. So you know. another question, are we seeing, are you seeing an increase in the number of Western riders adopting helmets? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have um, seen a tremendous movement, um, which has just been awesome to, to see and kind of be a part of. Uh, we work with Fallon Taylor, who's a world champion barrel racer, and she's really been um, kind of the iconic symbol of kind of breaking the stigma in the Western world of wearing helmets. So we're definitely seeing it mostly, you know, in the, um, the barrel racing, uh, pole bending. So a lot of the gaming events and then, um, you know, the MBHA barrel racing type events, the jackpot, 
Uh, we are seeing it, you know, with a lot of the younger riders um, for like the reining, we're starting to see that more. Uh, obviously, 4-H uh, has always been a big helmet proponent. And so most of the states have a helmet rule. So you see it in those Western arenas, you know, the breed shows, you see them here and there. So yeah, it's been awesome to see finally, um, you know, a lot of the parents embracing it, a lot of the organizations embracing um, and realizing that um, there's really no difference for English and Western writing for, for um, the amount of accidents um, and head injuries. You know, it's kind of a misnomer. You think, oh, I have a saddle horn. I can hold on better. I can stay on better. Oh, English writers probably fall off more, but it's really a misconception. It's it's really the cumulative amount of hours you are in the saddle, your risk goes up. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're writing English or Western, basically, we're all at the same risk. Um, we actually at Troxel, this just actually happened this last week, and I just talked to her husband yesterday, but we have a, um, a product ambassador. It's actually a family, and they're really big helmet proponents, and they do the mounted shooting. So they're they're riding Western, but they're riding fast. And her horse, you know, uh, they went to finish, do their finishing circle and just caught a front foot, just caught his toe. And the horse, instead of catching himself, literally body slammed himself and her um, onto the ground at just a full gallop. And just, it gives me chills even talking about it. So she's, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, she, she had, you know, a pretty severe concussion, but like he said yesterday, when I talked to him, he said, best case scenario, we would be sitting in ICU, ICU right now. He says, but more than likely, I would have been planning my wife's funeral if she didn't have that helmet on. So he is so grateful. And he's had so many people reach out and say, you know what, I would wear a helmet like half the time, or maybe I'd wear it for a month and I stick it in my trailer and not wear it. And then all these people are coming up and saying, I'm wearing it every day because your wife's an awesome rider. That is an incredible horse. And that was just kind of one of those freak things. And it's just one of those things. It's not if it's when, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, I'm a rider and it happens. I've had horses just trip and go down and I've just been so grateful and blessed that I haven't had, you know, severe injury, but it can happen in the blink of an eye. So, you know, really it's just all of us, no matter what type of riding we're doing, you know, it's just a great um, idea to, you know, wear a helmet, protect ourselves. You never know when it's going to happen. For me, I always wear like a visor or something like that when I'm out teaching. And every now and then I want to hop on, right, to show a rider something. And I always kind of keep my helmet just kind of right there, right outside the gate to put on. Well, this one day I was just in a rush and I hopped up there and my student is so good. All my students know, you know, for me, it's every time, every ride, right? Looks at me. Miss Christie, mm-hmm. your visor is not a helmet. Oh, yeah, you're right. So I immediately I got <laughs> off and I exchanged it out. But it's really good, right? Because we're all kind of used to having mm-hmm. something on our head. And sometimes you go and have a ball cap or whatever. You're like, oh, I'm good. And it's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. it's not your helmet. But it's so good to teach these uh, young folks and just kind of everybody that just like when you get in your car now, it you would be so weird to not put your seatbelt on. But back in like Glenn Jen's in my day, uh, we didn't wear them. I mean, it wasn't like required. So especially in the back seat of the station mm-hmm. wagon, you just hung out. You didn't care. And now it's just common <laughs> knowledge that you always do. As a matter of fact, your cars yell at you if you don't. Right. Beep, beep, beep. So I think that it's mm-hmm. it's just a, become a everyday occurrence now, which is good. And it's getting more and more so that way all the time. We used to ride in lawn chairs yeah. in the back of the van. <laughs> Why does that not As a kid, me? we used to sit in lawn chairs when the back seat wasn't in. They just throw lawn chairs in for us to sit in. So there That's you go. Crazy. That's how things have changed. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, right? 
Safety first. It was fun, by the way, because every you go around the turn, the thing would fall over. It was fun when you were a kid, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my son asked me the other day, he goes, can I get in the back of the horse trailer and see what it's like? I go, around the yard, you can. So I just drove him around the yard so you could see what it was like. How many people have done that? I mean, a lot of people have ridden with the horse in the past. It's not safe. Oh, (laughs) gosh, not at all. Yeah, he was by himself in the trailer, I might add, and just on our property. No, no going down the road with the horse. (laughs) We all do stupid stuff. That doesn't mean we have to keep doing it. That's right. You know, you were saying too, and I've had a couple people say to me, well, I've ridden for 20 years and never fallen off. Well, you're just damn lucky. Uh (laughs) That's that's all it is. Correct. I mean, you've ridden for 20 years and never fallen off. You've just gotten lucky. Uh, Well, and the whole idea of the horse tripping, that's very common, actually, right? I mean, we all trip. I mean, we trip and fall all the time as humans. I mean, we have two legs. They trip and fall, too, with their four legs, right? And so... And every one of those riders that's been riding for 20 years, horses have tripped. They've just caught themselves. You know, they everybody, you know, my driving horse trips, you know, so, you know, and, and, you know, fortunately catches himself, you know, so... that it just happens. Get a new helmet, people. Check the dates. Uh, go September 14th and 15th. You'll find uh, Troxel helmets. Well, where do they go? What do they do? I know Riders for Helmets has a website yeah. too. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so for Riders, yeah, for International Helmet Awareness Day, they can look for retailers through the Riders for Helmets website. They'll have a retailer locator list for all the retailers that have signed up to participate. And I had for uh, 2019. Um, you can also come to the Troxel Helmets website, and we have a whole information page on International Helmet Awareness Day. We have a link to all of our retailers. We have some online retailers. Uh, consumers can also take advantage of it on our website during the weekend as well. So we'll have some promos on there also. So yeah, so there's lots of places um, they can go to find, um, you know, helmet fitting information, how to buy a helmet. Um, all that, you know, information is is on our website at troxelhelmets.com. And you can't use the excuse they're not stylish anymore because there's a million varieties of colors and styles. So you can't use that excuse anymore. Either. Yep. That's right. And we're well yeah, air ventilated and everything. Yeah. Well, very oh, good. Well, yeah. Jenny, thank you so much. Can you just explain really quick? I want to do one little plug for CHA. For those that oh. are CHA members that are listening, Troxel is actually doing a program for us. You want to share that just a little bit with some of the things that, oh, yeah. that, that we're doing? Yeah, sure. So we have a, a direct um, kind of a bulk buy program for um, the uh, the larger barns and, and camp programs um, for Troxel. And then we also have just kind of a running discount that we have for CHA members. So all that is available, I believe, through the CHA. I think you can call um, in and they have um, that information available for we CHA do. members. Just call our office or email yeah. us and we will give you more. So super. Well, Jenny, thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, well, thanks again for having us. Thanks, Jenny. Okay. Get your new helmets. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. You can tell she, you know, you tell the story of why she got in uh, with Troxel. You can tell that she still has that same passion. Oh, without a doubt. Isn't it great? And they say, right, if you're passionate about what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that is definitely what's going on with our next guest. Lisa Dearson with the Equus Film Festival. So excited to have her on today. She's the founder and director. The Equus Film Festival is the first film festival oriented around equestrian-themed content from all over the world that also travels the world. So the show goes all around as well. They screen feature films, documentaries, music videos, commercials, training educational materials, art, 
and they cover all equestrian disciplines. Can I also Lisa? add, they had sure. the most popular booth at the World Equestrian Games because it was out of the sun <laughs> and the heat, and uh, it was packed <laughs> with people every day. So, yes, yeah. that's good, right? <laughs> right, Lisa? Well, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, right, Lisa, right. Not only does Equus Film Festival, but she also um, promotes the equestrian sport of working equitation and guess the breed that she raises and trains. I think this is so cool. Lusitanos. Oh, wow. You don't Isn't start. Cool? You, she doesn't start at oh, the dude. bottom and work up, does she? She just start, starts with the Lusitanos. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty good. Well, well, I did. I did have quarter horses and and thoroughbreds before, but there's nothing like a Lusitano. <laughs> well, good for They're you. beautiful. When I worked at Medieval Times, they had Andalusians, Lipizzaners, and Lusitanos, and that was yeah, they were. It yep. was awesome. All three of those were very much a joy. Yes. So, Lisa, well, tell Mar us Mar about. Mar oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go. No, no, no. I was going to say Mario Contreras, who's uh, who's our trainer runs or is the head trainer at medieval times in um, Chicago. And he actually has one of our younger Lusitanos Jaguar. We just started getting, he's just started doing jousting. So and we've gotten the pictures ah, cool. of him doing his jousting and, it's it's always fun to watch the babies grow up and go off and do really cool new things. Boy, so. they're pretty broke when they've come back from being in front of all those screaming people doing jousting. You've got a pretty broke <laughs> horse that's bomb-proof at that point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good training yes, ground. <laughs> yes, you might right. actually be and able Medieval to use Times that term. has an adoption program. Do they? I so didn't know when that. When they're done with the horses. Yeah, yeah, know. they adopt the horses out after they're done. We need to have so, them on. I need to talk to you that. and get a contact. We need to have them on about their adoption program. I think I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, Mario is excellent to to talk to. So, and he'll be with us. We're going to be at. Uh, you talked about World Equestrian Games. We're going to be at Equitana 2020 in Lexington this year, and Mario will, will be there with us too. And he's also, I believe, working on the program, the evening program for for Equitana 2020 in September, next September, not this yeah, year, right. September a year from now. We haven't even started talking about that yet. <laughs> it's like, oh no, no, I but know. we're planning it, so it's in the queue, it's in the lineup of of what we're doing now. But um, yeah, thank you for having me on, and I'm so excited because we've now since since we talked have um, started since WAG last year. We've started a partnership with um, our new title sponsor, which is the Kentucky Horse Park. Oh, wow. And so the Equus Film Festival, we're screening films every other week. I'm running a different program of films at the theater at the horse park. They have the beautiful new Wrigley Media Group has um, funded the, the re remodeling of the theaters that were in the visitor center. And um, we just did a ribbon cutting at the end of July. And since the 1st of August, we've been running um a collection of documentaries. So every other week there'll be a new block. We've got about a three hour block of films that just runs continuously in the theaters. I'll have the programs should be up on um, our website that people can see, but they'll get a chance to see films that have been part of the Equus film festival at the, in the theaters. And it's free to the visitors of the Kentucky horse park. So you you know you can go in and sit down for a couple hours and watch some really great equestrian content on a beautiful big screen. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the horse park had the movie theaters in there. They just never used them for much. Yeah, no, there's my Jack Russell. <laughs> I was just going to guess at Jack Russell. That sounds exactly like a Jack Russell. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine and that. And it's no, barking. Um, big surprise. 
<laughs> yeah, come on. It, that's something new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They and never so do she's that. She's not usually a barker. No, no. She's usually it's just like, pretty good, but somebody Jack Russells have radio radar. Sure. They know when their owners are actually on the <laughs> yeah. air live, they're going to bark. It's a thing. Yeah, yeah that's she awesome. does. That's, that's Amore. That's how she is. Um, but anyway, now where were we? Our, oh, I was going to ask you a question, theater. if I could relate it to that. Mm-hmm. Is sure. any chance of moving the Equus Film Festival to Lexington? It is. That's what I was going to say. We, we are, I can finally Equus come. Film Festival. <laughs> our new home is the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, the uh, Kentucky Horse Park is now our title sponsor, and for the foreseeable future, we will be at the Kentucky Horse Park with the Equus Film Festival in um, December fifth through the eighth. It'll it'll leave it'll be usually the first week of December from now on, which kind of goes along with the um, Festival of Lights that they do at the Kentucky Horse Park. So oh, it'll be an idea. extra feature for for visitors, um, and it'll be nice for our filmmakers because it'll introduce them to a huge audience and our authors and our artists that come along with us. Um, they're always, you know, we'll have a, gosh, I'll, I'll bet we'll have at least 10 to 12 different equine authors that'll be with us in um, December and they'll be able to be there with their books and promoting, you know, their, their stories and trying to meet, marry their stories up with uh, filmmakers to see if we can get some of these cool horse books turned into horse films. I always wanted to go, but New York was just too difficult, you know, and, and too expensive, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I, I'm well, very excited no about excuse. this. Yeah. The, That's right. You know, right. Lexington right. is... we'll have you there. The, Lexington is where it should be. You know, it just fits. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it fits. It just fits. Um, right, right. And yeah. that's what we think, and the horse park thinks that, and... So we're very happy to be partnering with them and Wrigley Media Group. They've just been wonderful with us. So um, it's 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 going to be a really nice nice fit for the festival, a nice fit for our our filmmakers. So we've worked with... and and the ability having the ability to do the films there throughout the year will be great. We've worked, Misty Wrigley has been a regular guest on our shows, especially mm-hmm. over in the driving show. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with her film company on a couple of projects. And you're right, they are, they're professional, they're absolutely, yep. they're, they're fun to work with, they know their stuff, and, you know, they mm-hmm. really know how to do it. I think that, getting mixed, getting matched up with them and the Horse Park, congratulations. That's, that's a win-win-win that you've worked very many years really hard to make happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, and it's, and it's going to be fun. So we'll be down there next, um, what is it, Labor Day weekend at Misty's um, Farm for their big driving challenge. I'm going to throw in here a business lesson. I'm going to throw in here a business lesson real quick, Christy, sorry. But this is true for everybody that's listening from from the CHA, too, because they're all in business. Lisa Lisa, uh, has worked her butt off for many years without much reward to make this happen. And it just, you know, like even with podcasting, I just came from a podcasting conference. It's so funny. I get podcasters that come up to me and say, I'm not making any money. And I ask them how much, how many episodes they put out. And they say four or six, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's like, no, you, it's like any business is business. That's one thing that hasn't changed in the modern era of social media. You've got to put in your time and any business is going to take three to five years, period. I don't care what you're doing. Right. It takes unless you get lucky. It's three to five years of hard work before you're going to see any real serious reward from it. Am I wrong, Lisa? No, you're you're dead on. And you know, 
the thing, the, the, what's been great about having this film festival is finally all of these filmmakers who put all of this time and effort into making these documentaries. And I'm telling you, they're made from the heart. They're made from their own pocketbooks. Very rarely is a film funded from anyone else other than the dedicated director and filmmaker. And now finally with us being at the, at the horse park, actually having the film festival where they can showcase their work and we travel, but now we've launched the Equus film film channel in partnership with horse network. So, you know, now we have a on-demand platform where people can, can go and pay a monthly subscription fee. It's like Netflix for horses and you can watch the films from the Equus film festival we're getting um, clinicians and uh, trainers to be uh, doing training series now. Um, so we've got some really cool stuff happening on the, on the channel that now is finally getting developed and, and coming to fruition. So, and some fun stuff on there, not, not what you'll see on every other, you know, every other jumper or just jumper or just dressage. It's, it's a wide variety of content. Well, we're so excited to have you this year at our international conference. And can you kind of tell some people what the three different documentaries are that we're going to be featuring there? Well, uh, I know we've got a pony and his boy is going to. Yeah, that was, it's a very diverse, I think we have desert flight, we have a pony and his boy, and then we have the one about the wild ponies on Chintotique. Wild ponies of Chincoteague. And Uh that story, well, all of them are, important stories. The pony and his boy is important because it talks about one, a rescue 28 year old rescue pony and an eight year old boy with down syndrome and their partnership and what they've been able to accomplish. It just shows how horses just can make a a complete and total difference in someone's life. And then with the wild ponies of Chincoteague, that's another story about one. Everyone loves the Chincoteague pony. So everybody knows about Misty. That was our gateway drug. But this story talks about a young girl who's, you know, going through some dark stuff. She's, you know, not, not she's contemplating suicide. She just is. And then she gets into getting, wanting a Chincoteague pony and she gets her pony. And it's just a wonderful feel good story. And also talks about the, which I didn't know anything about until we got this documentary, a group called the Feather Fund. And the Feather Fund is a a group of women who collect donations throughout the year, and they sponsor two or three young people who write an essay, submit an essay on why they want a Chincoteague pony, and they they give funds to these kids to go bid on a Chincoteague pony at the auction. And the kids all get a feather and people, you know, are out there cheering for these kids. But it started with a woman who had breast cancer and because she survived her breast cancer, she wanted to do something nice. And so she started the feather fund. So, you know, every one of these documentaries that we have ties back into a really great feel good story. And then desert flight is, they call it a love letter to the world of show jumping. And it's just simply you, you're sitting there crying because you're watching people talk about winning gold medals at the Olympics. I mean, it's, it's an amazing documentary and it's beautiful to watch. So it'll be a fun evening. We'll have three really great, great films that we're going to be screening and Diana's coming with. So you'll be able to 
meet Diana DeRosa and talk to me and hopefully we'll have a fun night. Well, I saw Desert Flight at the American Horse Publications Conference where um, it was shown for all of us as journalists in Albuquerque just a few months ago. And yeah, it was very good. Mm -hmm. It was very, very good. So very excited to be able to share it with our members. Yeah. So remember, for anyone Mm -hmm. listening, you don't have to be a member of ours to come. Any of you can come and you can come at the member rate because we love Horse Radio Network listeners. So come and meet Lisa and meet Diana DeRosa and come and um, be a part of the evening because it's going to be a really, really good one. And Diana, talk about an interesting lady who's done a lot with all of her going to almost every Olympic Games and all the other Mm -hmm. things that she's reported on. And now she's getting into acting and is part of the Screen Actors Guild. She just keeps going and going and going. So it'll be super fun to have her there. Well, she just got back from the Pan-American Games. Good for her. About a week ago. Yep. She's always on the road doing her thing with all the different journalism. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that she's a part of what you guys are doing, too. I think that's great, Lisa. Well, she she adds so much. She adds so much, so... So um, if people want to find out more about kind of the journey and how it all began and a little bit more about you, what are the best ways to do that? Is it social media, your website? Go ahead and share with the listeners some different ways to do that. Well, our, our Facebook um, page is Equus Film Festival, and we're, we're always posting all different kinds of topics and issues. And our main goal is to get issues good and bad out about horses um, and get keep them in the, in front of people. So people don't forget, you know, what's going on. And then we have our website, which is equusfilmfestival.net. Always got to remember it's the .net. And then you can always find us now by going to Horse Network and clicking through on the Equus Film channel. So we have a, our channel there and it'll take you to our content. So there's all different kinds of ways. Plus we tour. We're looking, we're working on going to Manipur, India in November with the film festival. We'll be taking about 15 documentaries with us. So, um, and then it's going to be fun. It's uh, the polo capital uh, or polo, the home of polo where polo started. So, um, well, that is really interesting. It's a big polo championship going on. Yeah. It's very cool. I went, well, we have a beautiful documentary called Daughters of the Polo God that was entered last year by a filmmaker named Rupa Bora. And she lives in Manipur, but, or, or in the area there. But a group of um, horse enthusiasts have gotten together and um, they're bringing us in to do the film festival there. So that's cool. Which will be really cool. And you talk about. Do you like Indian food? Uh, first, um, do you like Indian food? I, you know what? Not I have. I, I can't say I've really tried much, so it'll be an investment. <laughs> oh, you'll there be trying you a lot. There's a lot of curry. Yeah, a little yeah. curry for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ask for it mild, no, Lisa. A, Ask for it mild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what everybody tells me. So we'll we'll find out about that. But um, we're also going to be doing. I, I don't know if anybody remembers the books. Billy and Blaze, but the series of books that were out, gosh, I think they were in the 40s and 50s, but every library, when I was a kid, I think I read every one of the installments, the, the series. There's, I think, nine books in the series. Well, they're now making a, a feature film about Billy and Blaze. And so we're working on doing a um, premiere evening at the horse park hopefully sometime in october we're going to do the world premiere of that film 
it'll also be part of the film festival in December there, but we were going to do a really special event about that because so the one, the film is probably one of the most beautiful pieces of film. It almost reminds me of um, the black stallion, the, the, with the, in yes, the water. I read every just everything one of those. is so beautifully done. Oh, of the Billy and Blaze or the Black Stallion? No, of the Black Stallion. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. The, the Billy and Blaze books are just, they're, they're wonderful books. And they're about a, a little boy who rides, which is, you know, something different and, and cool for, you know, for young riders. But it's a, it's a really a great series. We had, uh, so I'm kind of excited to, we be had part Cynthia of that. Urkel on back in October mm-hmm. 29th of 2018 talking to us about the uh, Billy and Blaze being made into a movie. So I'm glad that project's still going forward. Yeah, it's still going forward and it's ready for release. So um, we'll, we'll be do, working on that release here really soon. So we'll have a bunch of stuff up on Facebook about that and on our website. So and Lisa, remind me, where story. do you live? I live in St. Charles, Illinois, which is about 40 miles west of downtown Chicago. Okay, so that's where you are. Very good. So you don't really care where in the world you go. You're by an airport. You can just get on an airplane and do this film festival anywhere. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, and this film festival has grown from basically social media. Our films, we, you know, everybody's got a page up on their films, their documentaries. So anybody who wants to find out more about each film can research it and and look into and the filmmakers are always always love to talk to people about what they're doing so you know it's a it's a fun film festival and when we're in um when we'll be in lexington in december uh last year we had filmmakers from 11 different countries come in to promote their their films as far away as india and and um australia so you get a chance if you come to the festival, tickets are on sale now on our website and they're really reasonable. Um, you get a chance to meet with people from around the world. You get to talk, meet and talk horses on all different kinds of, of issues and topics and breeds. We had a Knobstropper film last year and the filmmaker came in from Denmark. You know, just, it's exciting. We'll have a, a filmmaker from Iceland this year. We have a really great little documentary that's been under called Tales of Iceland. It's beautiful. Every one of these films, you just get swallowed up into watching the films. When you, when I get when I get something and I just sit and I watch it and it's like, oh, where'd that hour go? <laughs> so, well, we are so excited, Lisa, to have you share it with our membership and also having been on the show today. We just so appreciate you. So, thank you for everything you do. And I live in Denver, but I've got to go out to Lexington quite a bit because that's where our national office is located. So, I just might have to mm-hmm. tie that Plan in with something that you're doing. Uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, right. We'll just have to, or even if you just stop into the theater and and check out, uh, you know, whatever films are running in the afternoons. That's right. Thank you, Lisa. That'll be great. Thanks for being on. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, and we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, we're going to switch gears in just a minute or two to the Harness Horse Youth Foundation, which they couldn't have made that any more difficult to say, by the way. Every time I say it, I mess it up. Um, H-H-Y-F. But uh, (laughs) before that, we're going to play a little song for you. And I thought today, because she just popped up on my Facebook feed, Tiffany DeRosay, who is an opera singer and and, uh, also tied to the horse world, sings some beautiful songs. But she has a brand new baby not too long ago, and she keeps posting baby pictures, and she's so cute. Tiffany's adorable. 
bubbles. So the baby's, of course, cute. Uh, so we're going to play a little Tiffany song today, like I would for you. We're going to be back talking to Ellen Taylor in just a minute. There's a space I can reach across when I try My heart gets lost in your whole bag No matter what I do Well, you know I can read your mind There's a wall that you hide behind Won't you tear it down like I Well, that was Tiffany Day Rose with her song, Like I Would For You. She does have a beautiful voice. Uh, all of her songs are amazing. So you can find her at TiffanyDayRose.com. All right, our next guest is ready. 
Glenn, I am so excited to introduce my dear friend and also business person in the industry, Ellen Taylor. Her roots are deeply planted in standard breads and harness racing, with a grandfather and both parents having held trainers and driver's licenses. Growing up, she was heavily involved in the family training and breeding operations, serving as a caretaker, night watchman, and assisting with admin responsibilities. In addition, Ellen has been involved with the charitable Harness Horse Youth Foundation since she was 16 years old and has served as the executive director for the past 29 years. Hello, Miss Ellen. How are you? Good morning, Christy. How are you? I'm doing fine. So, Glenn and Jen and all listeners, I met Ellen through the American Youth Horse Council. We both sat on the board of directors back when I worked for the Arabian Horse Association, and she, of course, worked for HHYF, and we got to know each other really well that way, and we've done, you know, many different fun and work things in the meantime. So, join boards (laughs) and you meet cool friends. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, Ellen, where are you um, calling us in from today? Are you at your home, and can you tell people where that is? I am calling in from Anderson, Indiana, which is my home now. Uh, Just got back last week from the summer travels, of which we stay out on the road about between 30 and 45 days every summer doing our programs. Yes, and your programs are amazing. So let's start at the beginning, a very good place to start. Go ahead and explain HHYF, um, what it is, and how it all came to be for those listeners that might not know. HHYF began in 1976, believe it or not, because harness racing had a lot of family involvement, but we were looking for new blood, if you will, and felt like if we had a youth program to go along with a racing program, it would make our sport even better. Um, The organization is a not-for-profit charity. And we do summer programs, offer scholarships, printed material. We're kind of a, a resource. We want to be the leading resource, reading, resource um, for any kind of information related. And I'll tell you, that's exactly what's happening because you're going to get to come to our all-discipline, all-breed conference. And I'm so excited it's finally working out and bring some of your horses and carts. And she's actually going to do a video for us um, on safety of hitching up that we're there, then going to share on our YouTube channel. So it's definitely you know a lot of outreach, um, not just for the driving community, but for the horse community as a whole. So I love that. Now, tell me about the kids that come to your camps. I know I want my boys to do it. I'm really excited. Hopefully, in the future, we'll get that to happen. But do they already know a lot about horses? What is their background when they come in? Generally speaking, some do, some don't. We do get a lot of the typical riding horse lesson young girls. But we also get the boys who play football who like the competitiveness of racing, Um, And then we also get the kid who has no exposure to horses, and this is the only time they get to have hands-on with any kind of of an equine species at all. They didn't even know harness racing existed, so it's a double, that's a double win in my opinion, because we're, we're fulfilling that innate desire to be with horses and teaching them about the sport. Absolutely. It's right up with your, what your mission is when you find kids like that. So how do you yeah. guys, what type of horses do you have? How many do you have? How does that all work? We have done all different kinds of programming in the past 40 years. But in 1999, I was asked to write the curriculum for a new program of which uh, it was in cooperation with Harness Tracks of America at that time. 
the program was developed to teach in an extended version, a camp, if you will, all about the various aspects of racing and the career opportunities, plus the care of a, of a racehorse. That being said, we at the, in the beginning, we relied on horses at each location. And I quickly realized that that was not the safest nor the most effective way to teach kids. So I happen to live in Indiana, and there is a breed of horse that is very popular here called the trotting bread, and it is a small version of a racehorse. A lot of people call them ponies, but it is indeed a horse breed. And having been five feet tall my whole life and knowing how intimidating it is to try to check up a horse that's 17 hands or 16 hands, I decided these would be ideal for the teaching purposes of this program. So in 2001, we started to purchase our own horses. We travel with between five and seven. I call them my angels because they are the teachers. We're merely the conduits for the information. And they come in a variety of colors, a variety of personalities, and a variety of abilities. Some of them are good racehorses. Some of them aren't so good racehorses. But they all teach the kids. And that's what we use in the program to do all the barn work. We we start at the bottom, clean installs, washing water buckets, and we progress through the various days of the camp into harnessing, hitching, and the, and the finer points of how harness racing really works. So I have a question. Do they trot and pace? Yes, they do. So that's a misnomer. Good catch, Chrissy. Good catch. Um, I happen to have four pacers at the time, at this time, and one trotter. But the trotting bread was misnamed way back when. <laughs> and do you want to explain trotting and pacing to those that might not know? Trotting is just like a normal horse that would trot. It's a natural gait, left, front, right, rear, move forward together, and then on the opposite side. Pacing is a lateral gait. Nickname is called a side wheeler because they move from side to side. The left front and the left rear move forward, and then the right front and the right rear, kind of like a locomotive. That's awesome to watch. A trotter or a racer. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to watch. More fun to drive. <laughs> oh, I better get to do it at conference. I never get to have any fun. They make me work all the time. Maybe on Sunday when we're shooting the video, you'll let me do it. <laughs> You're going to yeah. love it. You'll never go back to that riding thing again. You don't think so, huh, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling Chrissy may uh, tap those lines and go a little faster than Miss Ellen likes. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, uh, she, she, she is a speed demon. So I think, I think you're probably right. I'll do whatever right. Ellen wants. Whatever you want, ma'am, I will do. You are the teacher. I am merely the student. <laughs> So having been with HHYF now for 29 years, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change. What are you excited about for the future? What keeps you going? What keeps me going is that there's always new resources to be developed. We can, and we have just, with the, our involvement with CHA, I'm most excited to do some outreach programs because I think that all horse venues need to work together instead of separately doing I'm doing this over here and they're doing that over there and then over here we're doing this so it's so exciting to me to be able to unify in some way and spread the good word about harness racing at the same time plus 
kids just make me laugh. Every summer there's two or three kids that just touch my heart. And I know that the next time they drive by a racetrack, whether it's 10 years from now or tomorrow, they're going to say, hey, I had a good time at that event. That That's an interesting thing. Or let's stop in and, and maybe just watch some races. That's That's what keeps me going personally. And you have so many different opportunities for the young people that are entering the horse racing business, because I know some of them do from your programs enter and actually become all the different um, aspects of the industry. So what are some of those programs and how do you help those? Well, please don't underestimate our scholarship program because we have in the past 40 years given out almost $750,000 worth of scholarship money. And we're pretty much a grassroots organization. I'm very proud of that. So so I consider those people our graduates too. And we have some very successful equine vets and racetrack managers like Patty Hogan and Chris Mackerling that are scholarship recipients. Plus the fact that we have some very exciting um, young talent that's coming up. Uh, Montreal Teague is the driver of the co-fastest harness horse of all time as of two weeks ago. He's a graduate of the program. We've got kids, that, or, and I call them kids, they're young men and women at all different racetracks. I bet there's a, there's a graduate at most every racetrack in North America because we have been as far as Calgary and to Ontario and then across the United States with our programs. Plus the fact that we have um, our old, prior to the program with the horses that we travel with, we had camps way back in the 70s and 80s. And that those graduates included Tony Alanya, Grand Circuit Trainer of today. Um, also, Dave Brower, who is the Meadowlands TV host. We've got a variety of different people, but it's not just about horses because we also have Dan Daly, a Florida state representative. We have Molly D'Agostino, a aspiring artist in music. She's very talented, and I think this kid is going to go very far. It's really great to just know that they had the Harness Horse Youth Foundation experience in their uh, toolbox. Well, I want to. As they go on to succeed in other ways. I want to add in here too. If if you're, we just talked about Lexington, Kentucky. If you're going to be in Lexington, Kentucky, and want to experience harness racing for the first time, I remember probably 25 years ago we we made our first pilgrimage to Lexington, and I was I was really just a horse husband then. Didn't really care a whole lot about anything horsey. And we went to the Red Mile while they were having harness racing. And that is the coolest experience you're ever going to have. If you're going to start out and want to watch your first races, the Red Mile in Lexington, first of all, it's just a neat old-fashioned track. They make it a party, and it is a blast to do for your first time. Well, it's interesting that you would mention that. Because on September 15th, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation is going to be a part of their festival for the Kentucky Sire Stakes. So uh, they're going to have a parade of breeds and a whole whole horse venue tent, and HHYF is lucky enough to be a part of that. Well, if you're going to be in Lexington, definitely catch that. It's They race on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday nights at 7 o'clock at the Red Mile, and I think we'd all agree, Red Mile, it's just, it gives you goosebumps because it's so old school, and it just <laughs> feels like a party. They have, you know, they have bands going on, they have barbecues, go- they make it a party. They make it a lot of fun. Yeah, it's worth seeing. 
I got to do it I one agree. time and I loved it too. I yeah. thought it was awesome. So are, are you going to be there at, at that one, Ellen, in September yourself? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm planning to be. Yes. Nice. So for the people that are listening. And one of the HHYF horses too. <laughs> oh, really? Good. How? Yes, yes. So your trotting breads will be um, there. They get around. Yes, I believe. I believe it's going to be Roy. I believe our, our fan favorite Roy. We call him Mr. Fabulous. <laughs> So who's coming to our conference in New York? That's going to be a secret, Miss Christy. Oh, I can't announce fine. that yet. Okay. I haven't made my final decision. I love them all, so it does not matter to me. It probably will be Homer. That's my guess at this oh. moment. He'll be the superstar. <laughs> It'll end up being on YouTube. I love it. <laughs> So and we um, understand too that this program cannot exist without our sponsors and our wonderful support with and our partnerships. That that is just the whole spoke in the wheel that makes it turn. And that was what I was going to ask next, Ellen. For those that are listening that want to get more involved and want to help, what are the different like opportunities out there for them to help and be involved? Can they be a part of these camps in any way? Do you need any help? Where where are you with all of that? Well, it is the Harness Horse Youth Foundation, but I have never met anyone that I have turned down because of age. At some of the camps, they they uh, want to give me a little grief about not allowing adult camps. Well, adults are always welcome as long as you act like a kid, <laughs> because we aim to have fun. Well, camp. Christy and I are okay then. Um, we can go. So you, yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah, we're gonna. That's go. exactly gonna. right. You got it. You got it. I've always thought that you guys would make a big addition. <laughs> I know. But I already that have. That being said, <laughs> go ahead. What? No, I was going to say we already have Jen commenting that she wants to come to our conference now so that she can drive. I said, "Well, then come on, let's do this thing. Let's do it." Yes, yes. Um, to get more involved, hhyf.org kind of explains what a little bit more about the programs and and how we do it. But that being said, if you just want to reach out to me through the website or through any social media account, because we have a Harness Horse Youth Foundation, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram account, um, I will be happy to get back in touch with anybody to to get more involved, either in HHYF itself or if they just have questions about harness racing, too. Good, because I'll tell you, there's a lot to this organization. It's been around for a long time, um, primarily because, like Ellen said, of her passion for it, but also all the board members, all the volunteers, all the sponsors, everyone that just believes in its mission. So, Ellen, thank you so much for being on today. Go ahead and give out that website address one more time so that people can find you. H-H-Y-F, as in Frank, dot O-R-G. And we are really looking forward to seeing you in October, Christy. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it, too. So see you in just, I can't even believe it, a couple of months. Thanks, Ellen. Yes, all right. Bye. Bye-bye. You think they'd let us race? <laughs> I don't know, but that'd be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be super fun, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if I get a trotter or a pacer. It'd be fun to try both, though, just to see the difference. Yeah, it is a difference. So, you know, my first pony did did everything and he my first pony actually was a county fair racing pony and Ooh. uh so that so that pony uh, could just do everything and it, it is a different experience in the cart when they start pacing 
So oh, it, 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 it's interesting. It is interesting to to experience both. It'd be fun to do it back to back because then you have that instant, you know, oh, I see the Oh, difference. I did many times where it went one to the other, one to the other. Oh, one to so the other. cool. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it, unintentionally, by the way. So, uh, well, you know what? Our next guest, who is a favorite of ours, has been coming on the Horse Radio Network since we started 11 years ago. Hard to believe. Uh, you want to introduce her? I would love to. So this is Julie Goodnight, and she is best known for her weekly RFD TV show, Horse Master, and for her no-nonsense training for riders of all disciplines. Her methods are grounded in natural horsemanship, classical riding, and understanding horse behavior. She teaches at clinics and expos everywhere and offers online education, how-to DVDs, and her own tack and training tools at juliegoodnight.com. She's also our international spokesperson and a dear friend. Hello, Julie. Well, hello. Good to hear you guys. So excited to talk to you today because I was just chatting with Glenn before the show that your career is taking yet another exciting twist and turn. Yes, you know, um, and in fact, this is one of the things I'm going to be talking about at the CHA conference in October and it's, yeah, I never would have imagined when I, I first started my business training horses over 30 years ago, and I incorporated as Goodnight Training Stables. And back then, it was just as you would imagine. I trained horses. I, we started colts. We trained we train anything somebody would pay us for. And uh, I never would have imagined then that Decades later, I would have a TV show, and then and that then that TV show would run for eleven years and two hundred and sixty episodes, and um, you know so that brings me to the current chapter of my life, which is you know after eleven years of producing a TV show, I thought that was enough, and <laughs> we 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 produce a lot of really good how-to horse training content, all of which is still uh, streaming on demand. <clears throat> from my website, juliegoodnight.com. But um, anyway, it was time to sort of put that one to bed. And I, I was eager to do something new and different. And um, so that's what I'm working on now, a brand new TV series. And um, it's called Horse Life. And it's about the people and places and the history and the culture um, it's all surrounding horses. And we're really having a good time with it. And uh, we're um, looking at filming in some very exciting places like Dubai and um, Ireland and uh, Germany, you know, and uh, of course, all over the United States, starting there and uh, starting with, you know, some of our most populated horse states. So, yeah, so that's what I'm working on. And when I'm at the CHA conference in October, um, I'm going to talk about that journey and, and some funny stories along the way and how I went from starting Colts with Goodnight Training Stables to that same company being a media company and, a, and a online retail sales. And so, yeah. 
I think it's awesome. I am so excited about this. And you know, you're, it's always interesting me to talk to you about the whole TV thing because, you know, I went to school for it and I'm not doing it. Yes. I mean, this is, this is as closest as I get to broadcast news is what I get to do this show with Glenn and Jen, which uh-huh. I love doing every month. And here you didn't go to school for it and you kind of self-taught yourself along the way. And now look at you go. So it just shows, you know, we can change and morph and what you go to school for is not necessarily what you end up doing. And it's just, it's exciting. Well, you know, of course, we all know a lot of people that went to school for one thing and then did something different. I never imagined I would be in the horse business. I I grew up with horses. I, I showed horses all all throughout my youth career. and But I never imagined it as a career option. And it certainly wasn't something my parents would have suggested. <laughs> and it was go to college and get a real job, yeah, you know. And my older sister did exactly What's wrong that. With you, Julie? Well, so my <laughs> oldest sister is a... Uh, uh, pretty high powered attorney there you go. <laughs> and my my other older sister is um also a pretty high level nurse manager in san francisco so she's risen to a high level there too so yeah that was what i was supposed to do and i did take a wrong turn somewhere <laughs> and it wasn't until after college that i realized heck i may as well just do this it's what I keep getting offered jobs. I couldn't go anywhere without getting offered a job, having something to do with horses, because I had the skills. So, so, so anyway, I want to ask you, Julie. We, we we're kind of it's kind of lesson time on the show, and it, persistence is one of the things I think is coming up here on the show over and over. When you first started Horsemaster, I assume that it wasn't always easy in those first couple of years because it, it's a commitment, financially and otherwise. Yeah. Well, Glenn, you're a master of understatements. (laughs) It was not easy one little bit. Um, It was, first of all, um, we, we were producing this show and I was a horse trainer and I didn't know anything about media production. And um, so, but I had a small team of people around me. Heidi Malaco was uh, the first one. And then I worked with a few different, um, kind of producer types until, uh, I ended up with Steve Schott, who's my partner today in a new company we formed, which is a production company, not a horse business. But, um, so anyway, yeah, so I had, so we had a group of people, we had a good idea. We had a good balance of people. We had um, you know, in, in, in our case, I was filling the talent role and then I had a, um, director and a, and a camera editor person. And then we used a lot of, um, volunteers. Um, you know, one, one of my best friends was, took over the wardrobe job at the very first shoot. And she did that for the entire 11 years. <laughs> and, um, so I'm fortunate to have good people around me. And then the scary part was it was pretty expensive endeavor. And I had never been in debt on my business before. And so for the first time in, you know, 15, 20 years of being in business, I had to uh, go into a little bit of debt and not a lot, just $25,000. But 
that seemed like a huge amount to me. So it was definitely jumping off a cliff. And uh, and and get this, we we signed the contract in October, and we had to having nothing, no, not a single episode. And then we had to have shows ready to air by January one. <laughs> so we had less than two months to start producing a finished product of a TV show and starting with nothing other than an idea, a one page idea. So as you can imagine, that was a gargantuan effort, but we did it. And, uh, and from that day forward, we we delivered 24 episodes a year to the network for 11 years. So, And 11 years um, for any show is amazing, for any TV show especially. Well, for any podcast, for any kind of media is say, amazing. You too, Glenn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, too, because I'm sure Julie's had this happen to her, is you know, I was at the podcasting conference last week, and a couple of two people came up to me that knew we did a daily show and actually listened. They weren't horse people because they were thinking about doing daily shows. And they said, you make it look so easy. And then I talked him out of doing daily shows. You know, just because we make it look easy, <laughs> just because you make, and I'm sure you've had people come up over the years and say, I can do a TV show. Well, go ahead, give it a try. But it is not easy. They don't see the hours we put into this show before and after. They they don't see the hard part, the Jennifer and the Christy booking guests and, you know, all of that, that, that takes hours and hours and hours of effort. Yeah. Yes, and and uh, you know, for instance, they hear the voice of you, but there's you know at least half a dozen people behind you making the wheels turn. Yeah, they're and, mostly they're mostly kicking uh, my ass, Julie. That's what's mostly happening. With <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christy, I'm sorry. Business lesson over. Whatever it over. takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Glad. Right. Yeah, Christy's <laughs> one of them too. I was going to throw that in there. Uh, only once a month you have to deal with me, though, yeah. so it's not too bad. <laughs> Well, Christy, as I was listening to the show in preparation for coming on, first of all, I was uh, it was delightful to hear Ellen's voice, longtime friend. We all go way back in in this business of teaching and um, helping riders and 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 drivers and um, and. I was listening to you talk, Christy, and I, I was, of course, I knew you started in TV. You were educated in that and, and actually were a, 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 whatever you call it, a new TV news person. And um, I could, I could hear that. I was thinking, well, this is perfect for her to be doing this broadcast because you do have sort of that training. And um, so that shows. So um, I'm super excited about the conference because as I was listening to Ellen talk and, um, you know, reflecting on my career, my time with CHA, one of the greatest things about that conference is you get to um, see colleagues that you might not ever see any other place that at least once a year we come together and we get caught up and you know, I might not have seen Alan in, you know, whatever, seven years. Um, but it's a place where we all come together and, and just kind of uh, share our careers and network and all of that. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Well, what will be so great, Julie, too, is we not only have you keynoting, we also are so excited because you're going to be doing a couple of talks as well um, in the arena for people. So for those listening that want to come, she's going to do collection, promoting self-carriage, and then also how to bring out the best in your horses and riders to kind of alleviate burnout and things. So I, we're, we're really excited about those two talks as well. Yeah, of course, I, I love working on the back of a horse and I love doing demonstrations while I'm riding. And um, so that will be the collection one and um, in the main arena there. And um, while everybody eats their box lunch, I and a few riders will be talking about how we promote self-carriage in horses so that we're not, um, you know, creating heavy, heavy horses, <laughs> but horses that are light and um, and responsive and, and carrying themselves in a proper frame. That'll be a big part of it too, is what, what can you realistically expect from your horse if you're, if you want to promote self-carriage. So that'll be, yeah, it'll be fun to be uh, in upstate New York. It's been a while since I've been there. It should be a beautiful time of year, I would think. And for those that are coming, I'll tell you, Houghton College now with their brand new climate controlled indoor arena. Don't worry about the weather. As long as you can get into the Buffalo Airport and then drive an hour to us, you can you'll be fine once you get there. Creature comforts. It has so many different um, options for lodging. There's a KOA if you want to rough it. There's staying in on campus actually at Houghton, which is fun. There's little local B&Bs and all kinds of places to stay. Of course, Niagara Falls is right up the road for anybody that wants to venture out and see that. So there's going to be a lot of good things like that to be able to do. Not to mention the Houghton College horses are phenomenal. Um, they have a lot of really good training on them and they do all kinds of dressage work and Western riding work. And so you'll get to ride them as well because that's all included. So it's very fun to come and do that. So Julie, go ahead and share with us um, how people find out more about you, find out more about all that you have to offer educationally on your website and other locations. Well, pretty much everything there is about me and what I do and and, and what I offer is at juliegoodnight.com somewhere or another. And uh, my clinic and event schedule where I'm, I'm doing public events is always uh, updated there. And then, um, you know, you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which gives you a twice a month um, so twice a month, some educational articles and information about what's going on around my ranch. And, um, yeah, and then we have online subscription and memberships. Um, we call it Horse Master Academy. And um, there's free levels of membership and paid levels of membership to, you know, hundreds of video, training videos and, and all of that. So I also... Um, have a monthly podcast because I figured out right away I was not a daily kind of person, Glenn. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I set the bar uh, low enough and, uh, and started a monthly podcast, and I've been really enjoying that. And, um, you know, with every, with every new turn of my career, I get to learn, you know, about a whole new area and I've been have been learning a lot about recording audio recording voiceovers how to how to do good voiceovers and um and and Glenn you'd be proud of me for just an old horse trainer I've actually have a little 
recording booth set up and can edit some oh, audio. And I've really been having fun with that stuff. Yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Where you forget to yeah, press the recorder I like your world. three times, and then you have to go back and go, oh, I did, forgot to press the You do all that. <laughs> Everybody does that, Julie. <laughs> we still do it occasionally. <laughs> hey, if you oh, ever yeah. bring that TV show or ever get to Ocala, you come into the studio, and we'll we'll have some fun, okay? Okay. Well, we will, we will definitely be in Ocala. There's no doubt about that. It's one of the you know, arguably the top horse area of the country, but maybe number two next to Lexington, uh, but no. they like quest- to argue about that. World Equestrian Center, once that's done, <laughs> that's about three miles from my house. Uh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. So, well, it'd be fun to have you in the All studio right, for well, a change. That'd be fun. That would be fun. We'll do it. All right, cool. We'll record one of your shows and one of our shows in the studio. We'll do it that way. There you go. I'll have a whole a whole month's worth of work done. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julie, thank you so much for being on today and sharing a little bit about your new adventures. And um, it'll be great to see you here in just a couple of months at our conference. You bet. It was great to talk to you guys as always. And I look forward to seeing in, you in New York. And- and I was not wrong. I just looked it up while you guys were talking. Your first appearance on the Horse Radio Network was September the 6th of 2009. So, wow. 2009. Well, 10 years. Oh, you mean you didn't know this was our 10th year anniversary? I knew Clint? it was close. I knew it had to be because you were one of the first guests <laughs> we had on the first show. So I knew it had to be somewhere around there. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, well, congratulations Julie. on that decade. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Bye, Julie. Bye-bye. Well, she's a lot of fun. And I, you know what? Her show is pretty good. She's been uh, doing it for a while now, and, and we had talked about it before she started her podcast, and I'm glad she's sticking with it. I'm, I really am glad she's sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm thrilled that she's decided yeah. she likes this world of TV. Yeah. How cool is that? And well, she, she likes better. the world she's of She's been doing 11 years, so she, <laughs> she better. I know. Bring it. I'm That's glad. really good, though. Also, I'm also happy she's getting into doing something different, because after 11 years, you do get, you, you, you do get a little bit tired, especially the kind of show she was doing. Um, yes. And uh, so this for her, uh, you know, at this point in her career is going to be is going to breathe a new a new sense of life into it. It's not going to be a training show, as I understand it. It's going to be all about the people. And I think I, I think at every point, a, a trainer that's been doing it so long, then really goes, I want to change it up a little. And they get more involved with the people side, whether it's teaching or clinics or they get away f- from working with the horses you know, every day, day in and day out as the job. And they go into a little bit of more of the people side. And, and I think it, I think it's great. I think that needs to happen because they become the mentors then. Um, Correct. So I don't know. I think it's wonderful that I didn't know what her new show was going to be about, but I'm very excited about it. Well, that'd be fun. I know I'm, I'm really excited to see them once they get, you know, some of them in the, in the coffers ready to show. It's going to be wonderful. And Darlie Newman, who, of course, uh, does Equitrekking and has been on PBS forever, won Emmy Awards, has been coming on our show forever, too. So I feel like I know a bunch of celebrities. Isn't it fun? And Darlie actually came to our conference and was a keynoter once when we were in Kentucky of quite a few years ago now. So I'll tell you, we all play with some pretty cool people, Glenn. We're kind of lucky. And, and what's interesting about her and Julie, uh, Darlie and Julie, is they're just real people. Darlie is absolutely delightful. Yeah. I mean, she's just she's yeah, just the way she is on the show. And so is Julie. I mean, so yes. you, you, they don't they, change at all. Nope, they really are. Uh, they really are what you see. 
So uh-huh. now we're not. We're totally different. We're <laughs> we're just big jerks off the air. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been fun. Where can people go to find out more? Yes, go ahead and come. Go to cha.horse and just click on the International Conference tab and you'll find out everything you need to know if you want to come and play with us. You'll also find out we still have fall certification clinics coming up for riding instructors and also for equine facility managers. And of course, we have many other webinars and um, books and videos and things to educate you on how to teach and how to be taught. So please come and check it out. Well, Jamie, you'll be here tomorrow and Friday. Get your really bad ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. It's been a month since I've done really bad ads. I'm excited. Uh, I miss doing really bad ads on Fridays, but get so get those into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We do need some more ads. Thank you, Christy. And if you want to find all the past episodes of the Certified Horsemanship Association, go to horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page. You'll see a whole bunch of little banners for our monthly episodes. Just click on CHA and it brings up all the past ones you can go back and listen to as many as you want because it's probably been six seven years i believe so yes yeah we're gonna have to a little while now when our anniversary (laughs) is we have to have a party thanks christy talk to you again talk to you soon